Yes, our vet will be taking your calls between now and one o'clock, and anything could happen today because our vet is Dr. David Tabret. Brace yourself. <laughs> anything could happen. Anything could happen with you here. Well, hopefully we'll be able to solve some problems for people. Folks, I said to David, what's our topic today? And he said... I need a drink of water. Yes, I said, that can't be it. Then he said, it's cats that can't pee. A very similar topic, topic. I expect. <laughs> <laughs> That's your topic. And, of course, to save us today, Cheryl Shaw is here. Hello, Cheryl. Good evening. Oh, afternoon it is. Now, fashionable birds. Yes, birds are coming back into fashion, so we're going to be talking to somebody today who can give us some advice on what to buy. Yeah, it's Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw is here and a special guest joining us, Cheryl. Yes, today we've got Les, and Les is a trader in birds, and he's a very knowledgeable bird fancier. So welcome, Les. Yeah, good morning. Oh, afternoon, Cheryl. How are you? Very well. What is, um, in the moment, we know that birds are increasing in sales and they're becoming really great pets. What is the the pet bird that you are selling most of at the moment? What would be the most popular? Oh, Cheryl, it's the budgie. The budgie? Dear old, old budgie still holding the tone along the line. They're pretty, um, pretty amazing little birds. They like to amuse themselves, don't they? They, they do like to have a mirror and toys in their cage. Is that right? Yes, but the mirrors are no go, no go if you want to teach a bird talk. Um, to the fact being that there's a mirror in there that'll talk to the image in the mirror, not uh, what you want it to say. Okay, so we take that um, that little mirror out. Now, do both males and female birds talk? They will. They will talk. A lot of people think that's a, a no-no, but no, I've had lots of females talking. It just takes a little bit longer to... Um, to get them going. Right. And when we're looking to buy a bird, what, what should we be looking at? What's the best thing to, to purchase a good, healthy bird? Um, well, the best thing is to look at the feathers to make sure that the feathers are nice and clustered and not... Sorry, and not um, uh, fluffy at all. And, uh, and also look to, at the bottom to make sure the bottom's nice and clean. Right. And so would you recommend buying a young, bright, sort of alert bird rather than an, a mature bird? Uh, especially if you want it to um, um, to be uh, a friend and what have you. And, uh, like a, a young bird will become more human um, friendly than an older bird. Right. And um, with the canary, did the both of those sing or is it only the male? And the male sings, the female tweets. Okay. Um, the, the male sings best if he's on his own to call a partner, do the old man. <laughs> if, if we're looking to keep them healthy, what's the best balanced diet for them? Well, I believe that, you know, you, can, you, you need to keep your greens, a few greens into your birds, um, but mainly if they've got the right seed, they, they, especially the seed that's made for them by the, uh, the people out there that know all about seed. Um, excuse me, but um, a good balanced diet, such as you know, a bit of broccoli or a little bit of lettuce and things like that. A little bit of fruit, especially if you've got your food eating birds. Um, right. and, you know, it, it's uh, the main thing is to keep an keep an eye on their droppings and see that their droppings are nice and firm and colour. Um, nice and bright sort of thing. Yeah, with a cage bird, what do you recommend to keep on the floor to, um, you know, soak up those droppings? What's the best medium? Just a bit of paper, newspaper, brown paper, whatever. Um, if it's a, an aviary type uh, cage and it's waterproof, 
the best thing is to put gardener's lime in on the floor. What does that do? Uh, it soaks up all the uh, the droppings and mixes it up, and the birds don't like to get down there and chew on it. Um, and uh, um, that's one of the biggest problems with the birds. They get down, they, they chew on their droppings, which um, turns around the... Um, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Um, so, yeah, the, the, yeah, go on. So with, with those birds, sometimes people forget about worming, and that's really important, isn't it? Every three months, Every yes. three months? With, yes. with parrots, there can be some problems with worming parrots. So what yeah. do you recommend there? Is it you've got to really look for the right worming mix for the parrot? Yeah, all, most bottles have got who the birds are um, set up for, like the mixture's made for. Um, Finches are um, very hard to worm. There's not much, not many worming agents out there that suit finches. Oh, Okay. So, and uh, they'll drop off. If you give them the wrong mix, you'll kill them. All right. What about mites? Are they common in birds? It all depends how clean they keep their, their cages. So, yeah, so husbandry one. is really important to keep oh, everything yeah. clean. What about yeah. dangers for birds in cages? What what sort of things present a problem? Well, the old minor birds are the biggest problem we have in this area. Um, and, of course, rats and mice, but... If you've got your cage elevated um, and if you do want to put it outside for a bit of sunshine, just try and put it somewhere where the, you know, the minor birds are not going to be able to find them. Yeah, I've got a problem with butcher birds at my place. I certainly can't put out my bird. A birds molt. Well, how often do they molt? Uh, once a year normally. And how long, year, that, yeah, how long does that t- usually take? It takes about six weeks. Six to, weeks? From start to finish. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with the bird at all. It's just a natural um, thing that they go through to grow their new feathers. And is there anything we should be doing during the molting season? No, nothing at all. Nothing just, different. Yeah, okay. Yep. I always thought we had to reduce the sunlight and things like that for them, cover them over a bit earlier, but uh, maybe that's not not correct. Oh, I've, I've never heard of it. Somebody else might better correct me on it, but I've never heard of, uh, of that story, no. Yeah. And um, how often should a dog, um, a dog, a bird get a bath? Hey, uh, depending on the bird. Some birds like water, some birds don't. Lorikeets love it. Um, budgies are not real uh, fussed on us. But uh, no, I don't, I don't believe in bathing birds. Oh, okay. And what about, um, what would be the best small parrot for a person to buy? Mm, they depend on how much money they want to spend. There are some beautiful little parrots out there at the moment, um, but you know, just the average cockatiel usually satisfies most people. Are they um, able to mimic um, human speech or not? Yep, they yeah. do. Oh, okay. They're quite, quite good uh, mimickers, actually. Ah, so mm. birds really do make great pets, and um, they're very yeah. easy to look after, aren't they? I wouldn't say they're easy, but they, they, they take a lot of concentration. Um, yeah, you know, the their little cages are sort of got to be clean, otherwise you know, you know, your pests get in and, and what have you. Yeah, and yeah. A, lot, a lot of people come to me with the most tiniest of cage and want to put a, a budgie or a cockatiel in it. And I just turn around and say to them, would you like to live in the toilet? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Les, what's the best tip that you can give us for teaching your bird to talk? Concentrate. 
the more more you play with it, the more you talk to it, the the, uh, the better it'll be. It's nearly a daily effort of at least a couple of hours a day. Repetition. Yep, repetition. Just keep over uh, and over and over and over. I'd have no oh. trouble then. My bird would be able to talk <laughs> like anything. Well, thank you so much, Les. You're welcome. Good afternoon. You're listening to Pet Chat. We're continuing with calls on 49216216. Our vet, Dr. David Tabbert, is here and Cheryl Shaw. And joining us from Shortland, hello, Diane. Hello, how are we all? Hi, Diane. We're, we're good. I'm just, I've just got an inquiry, please. Um, I stopped and helped a, a gentleman with a dog that was um, hit by a car last night. Mm-hmm. And there was no number that we could call to get the emergency vet or anything out that I know of. Um, and unfortunately, the poor little dog died in my arms, and it was really, really heartbreaking. And I'm just wondering if there was a number that I can put in my phone in case that happens again. <laughs> was this a stray dog, or was it the man's dog? Um, well, I'm not sure. It just uh, apparently it just came out of someone's house. Oh, okay. Um, oh. On a very busy road on mm. Newcastle Road. Yeah. Um, look, it's not an uncommon problem. Although I have to say, over the 27 years I've been a vet, I think this kind of um, incident is less common because people are obviously better at keeping their pets locked up um yeah yeah. and it depends on the time of day so usually of an evening if you've got a local vet you can ring them and they may have someone on call or they would refer you to um the uh referral and emergency center um which is a 24 7 hospital so then but you still need to get your pet to the vet or get the animal right. to the vet. So that's often a problem. But a lot of veterinary staff are asked this question. If my pet is hit by a car, how can I get it to you? You know, it's badly injured. And um, yeah. it's it's difficult in terms of logistics to get, to get someone out. And yeah. um, usually what I say to people is if you get a big blanket or a towel, mm-hmm. wrap that around the animal so you're kind of just bundling it up because obviously you're worried about injuries and so on. And... It really depends on the nature of the injury. If they've got a broken leg, then you might be able to help them up and get them into oh, a vehicle. A head, yeah, it was yeah. a head injury, and he ended up dying okay. within five minutes of me trying to wrap him up in a blanket. Yeah, so. yeah usually then, just wrap uh, them up is the best thing, and then get them into a car um, and transport them to the nearest hospital. If it's at night, obviously you need to ring to find out who's there, who's available. Um, and if you go on to... Um, the Pet Chat uh, website, there is actually links on there on the um, 2NUR FM website. There are links to um, some of the hospitals that the vets on here work at, and that'll be able to direct you to an appropriate place to have someone on the phone. The number's 49216216. If you'd like to talk to our vet, you can call through straight away. Joining us now from Abermain is Heather. You've got a great story about a cockatoo, Heather. Yes, that's correct. My cockatoo got out the other day and flew up on top of a tree. It was about 10 metres high. He's up there for four days and we couldn't get him down. In desperation, I rang that many people. And in the end, I was giving him a number to ring and it was Animal Rescue at Cessnock. Oh. And within half an hour, they came out, uh, there's three, three men, and they managed to... to to, to get my bird back down for how did, me. How did they coax him down? Well, what they did, they had some big poles and they sort of hit him and made him go to a lower tree and lower tree and a lower tree. So eventually they had, they had a ladder they could climb up and get him. Was he, like, hitting him? Was he all right? No, no, no he was quite okay. They only hit, hit, hit the branch near him. Oh, and he, yeah. They didn't hit the bird, but um, oh, it was wonderful. 
to these men, they come and did it for me so quickly. It'd been up there for four days and I was getting quite desperate. Mm. You better we, keep that cage locked in future. Oh, yes, and he's getting his wings clipped. We do, we do allow him the garden on a chain, but um, mm. somehow he got out of the chain and got away on us. Mm. A, lot, a lot of people, you can actually buy a harness for your bird. And yeah. um, a lot of people, particularly with the bigger birds, like the cockatoos and so on, they fit quite well. Mm. And, you know, mm. you like to let them stretch out their wings oh, and yes, perhaps your, right. a- yeah, your cage or your aviary's not big enough. So so the chain goes around the foot? No, 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 it, no, no. it attaches the to the harness, oh, harness, like you put on your dog okay. yeah. or your oh, cat. Yeah, look into that. Or um, you might remember, Dave, we had a phone call a few years ago about the guy who wanted to put a harness on the blue tongue lizard to yes. take for a walk. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's how not that a went. How that He's still walking. Um, yes. That's not such a bad idea as to use a harness. And with regards to wing clipping, a lot of people ask about this question is, you know, should I get my birds wing clipped? Look, generally my answer is no. Avoid it. If they're, you know, obviously if they're in a cage and so on. If they're in a house and you think, well, I've got double doors, so, you know, double, they're not going to get out and I like them to fly around. But in which case, um, if you speak to your veterinarian, and particularly if they have experience in birds, and I worked for a number of years in a practice that saw a lot of birds, and our rules were that we um, clipped both wings. Because when you actually clip one wing, what it does is it, it's like getting a bung wheel, front wheel on your car. You always veer left. Yeah. And so they be, fly in circles. No, they fly into the wall because oh, mm. uh, no, they can't control themselves. Uh-huh. So, But what happens is if you clip both wings, yep. we reduce the lift so that when they flap their wings frantically, they actually they can move forward, but they won't go high. Uh-huh. And so um, they're getting lots of exercise, and they might be able to. I always had a rule that they should never be able to fly above my head once I've clipped their wings. And there's a special pattern of which we, uh, which feathers you have to clip and things like that. We're taking your calls on 49216216 for Pet Chat until 1 this afternoon from Girvan. Good afternoon, Sue. Hi. Um, I'm just ringing up about my cat. Mm-hmm. She's um, an elderly cat. She had two eye operations. And after the second eye operation, she lost a lot of weight. And um, I did ring the vet back and, and say that, and they said, oh, it's her age, you know, she's um, suffering, had a reaction to the second operation. But I can't put the weight back on her. She's meowing to eat all the time, and she's just a bag of bones now. Mm. Um, we sometimes hear this kind of story, with, particularly with cats more than dogs, I think. Um, oftentimes there can be a number of different causes Um, obviously whatever the trigger for the eye operation, do you remember what was um, the reason that we had the operations? Uh, Yes, I said she had a little skin cancer on the rim of her eye. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Probably that's not part of the picture, but there can be some other underlying things. So oftentimes we'll see those kind of problems like with the eye and the skin in older cats, and we know that older cats have... um, you know, they may have some pre-existing kidney disease. Um, sometimes it's liver disease or gastrointestinal disease. If we're concerned about kidney disease, um, there's a number of things that we can look at. Now, there's actually a new blood test available which picks up kidney disease a lot earlier. And it's worth just a quick explanation. So, for instance, with people, you can actually donate a kidney, okay? And the donor doesn't really suffer as long as they're otherwise healthy, and you don't do anything that's going to um, damage the existing kidney that you keep. And that's because our bodies have an incredible amount of reserve capacity. 
So really, we can actually get by on about uh, losing two-thirds of our kidney. Um, so if we donate one kidney, we've lost 50%. And the, similarly with cats. So we do know that they can have uh, disease in up to two-thirds of their kidney before it even shows up on a blood test. Um, now that's, I have to say, going back a few years, now there's a new blood test that can pick it up a lot easier, a lot earlier. Oftentimes when, though, you get to the stage where um, you start to get symptoms, maybe it's a weight loss issue um, and it's hard to get weight back on that. could be because the kidneys aren't working so well and so the body doesn't process protein and we're losing protein and, of course, muscle is made up of protein and that can be why it's hard to get weight back on. I really think in these circumstances, I'd be getting a blood test just to look for things like liver disease, kidney disease, um, and possibly gastrointestinal disease as a third option. They might find that's where the answer is for your cat, and I do hope you get an answer in um, getting back on track. And we're going to find out now about Cushing's disease as we're joined by Greg from Rutherford. Hi, how are you? Yeah, great, Greg. How can we help today? Um, I, I recently had my 13-year-old Maltese Shih Tzu die from, uh, well, I suppose you call it the complications of Cushing's disease. Mm. And um, I want to, I'd like to know what causes Cushing's disease. Mm, it's a, it's a, uh, a very complex problem, and as you found out, can ca- carry, um, you know, great risk of um, shortened lifespan. And I'm really sorry to hear that your little one's passed away. Um, Cushing's disease is actually a name given. There was a a human neurosurgeon called Harvey Cushing, so it's first described in people. Technically in animals, we don't call it Cushing's, but we tend to just use that name because the the correct name is hyperadrenocorticism, which just takes too long to say. Basically, though, the hyper means there's an increase adrenal hormone which is cortisol. So there's an increase in cortisol floating through the body. Now, cortisol is essential for life, essential for health. And in fact, if we don't have any cortisol, uh, which is associated with a condition called Addison's, kind of the opposite, um, it's also similarly dangerous. But if you have too much cortisol, it can also be damaging, as we know. Um, The causes generally... There's really kind of two things that we see. One is that a dog could have a tumour in the adrenal gland, which sits next to the kidneys, one on each side, and they just produce too much cortisol. Now, there's a normal feedback loop. So if you produce cortisol, the body says, hang on, we've got enough, shut down the production. If you don't have enough, the body says, oh, I better produce some. And what happens is with a tumour is that it's actually not sensitive to that feedback. So it just keeps pumping out cortisol. On the other cause we see is that um, that feedback loop is processed through the brain, through the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland in the brain, and so under the effect of a hormone called ACTH. And in smaller dogs, it tends to be that their Cushing disease is caused by um, a dysfunction in the pituitary gland producing ACTH and that um, they just keep pumping that out and that tells the adrenal glands. So it could be either or, um, and generally the treatments are fairly similar, um, you know, depending on where the cause is and it really involves lifelong medication and management of those complications as they come up. So, yeah, it's It's unfortunately a common problem that we see, um, but generally with most treatments with most patients they will 
get through a lot of those things, but it certainly can have an impact as you've discovered. Two in your RFM 103.7, you are listening to Pet Chat. Our vet doctor David Tambert is taking your calls on 49216216. And joining us right now, waiting patiently from Wood Rising, is Pam. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Hi, David. Hi, Pam. Um, look, I'm just inquiring. We got a rescue dog. Um, she was five months old and she's nearly 12 months old. Mm-hmm. She's a staffy cross with a Kelpie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having a lot of trouble with the taking stuff off the clothesline. Uh, she's very bored, is she? Well, I've give her toys and everything. We give her stuff to chew on and all that, but she just... She doesn't do anything with them. She just rips them off the clothesline and just drags them all around the yard. Mm, kind of the opposite of keeping them clean. Exactly. Pam, there is one thing you can try. You have to actually set your dog up a little bit for a bit of a failure on this one, but find an old shirt and get some bitter lime and put it on the sleeves of the uh, the shirt, hang it on the line. Once the dog jumps up and gets that in the mouth, I can almost guarantee we're not going to go back to try another piece of mm-hmm. clothing on the clothesline. Well, I've tried everything. I did ask the vet and he told me to hang balloons on the line and I tried that, but she just avoided all the balloons and just ripped the clothes off the line. Uh. Yeah, they usually don't <laughs> like the taste of that bit of lime and they've got great memories, so they usually won't go back. All right, sounds like a good idea. Now, our yep. final call for the day is from Toronto. It's Kerry. Good afternoon. Hi, Kerry. Um, I've just been listening to your show, and that lady that found the dog on the road, um, if you weren't, if you didn't have anywhere to uh, yourself to take the dog or look after the dog, who, who would you call? Like, if you, didn't, you weren't able to take it in your car mm. and take him somewhere? So generally, it depends on who the owner of the dog is, obviously. If um, stray dogs become a council responsibility, um, but they're not always available to have someone from council come out, obviously we want to do what we can to get the animal seen, particularly if they're injured, as quickly as possible. But it usually does involve then you having to transport the animal to the veterinary clinic. Um, and that's why I said oftentimes just using a blanket. If you don't have a vehicle, sometimes that's um, been raised as a topic and friends, neighbours, family might be able to be called on. One of the concerns, a lot of people have asked me about, well, why doesn't the vet just come out? And there are some circumstances where that can be done. Um, very often as a, it becomes a workplace and so obviously we have to have consideration of workplace laws and things like that. So... There's some of the competing influences on these kind of decisions. Oftentimes um, we've had animals come in that have been brought in, hit by a car. Um, The final thought I have on this is I have seen the police have sometimes been called and they may be able to help out. However, they do place a priority on um, human life activity and we've had cases where they've... Um, brought a pet in and then had to rush out because there was a car accident or something or or they weren't available because of, you know, they're busy with other things. So I would often just get on the phone and try a few places and and as I said, it might be friends, neighbours, someone around who you can just bundle that pet up and get it to the nearest vet as quickly as possible. Um, But in the, you know, if you haven't tried council and sometimes police, um, I've had... Oh, we had some cats brought in after a house fire, which were owned, but they were brought in by the um, fire brigade. So 
some of those emergency services can sometimes step in there as well. So, All right. Now, yeah. thank you so much for your calls. Lots of great calls today. Sorry time has beaten us. Before we go any further, any dog shows that we know of this weekend there, Cheryl? Ah, I've been slack and I haven't done that homework again. You have been, yes. You've let me down again. Black oh. mark. You're consistent. Yes, I'm consistent. <laughs> but you missed when I did talk about it. We had a great show just two weeks ago. Time. Well, thank you so much for today. Something you might like to work on for me for next week, Cheryl Shaw? No problem. What about our vet, Dr. David Tabber? Thank you for being here today. No worries. Thanks, and, Dave. Uh, addressing all those calls. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.